So let's turn our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 18, and we'll begin reading in verse 41 there, but it's good to see you tonight. Thanks for coming along to our Wednesday uh, prayer meeting, and uh, you know, just a couple of uh, people were cleaning up after church on, um, on Sunday night, and we found an found a interesting artwork, and uh, it's, it's a... I'll, you can, if you want to really see it, you can see it later. But it's a drawing of me preaching. So, you know, I'm hoping it's a, it's one of the children that drew that. But I'm not sure if it's one of the grown men. But, um, but good comments about my preaching. So I'm glad for that. But um, I, I showed my wife and I said, you know, I like it except the, the face is a bit round. And then she didn't really say anything after that. So I don't know if she agrees with the artist or not. But uh, appreciate that our kids are listening. And wrote a little bit of what I was saying, so that's good. And um, you know, I hope that tonight you've come ready to pray. And you know, there's many things that we can pray for this evening. But um, glad for the the fact that God answers prayer. And uh, we're thankful that the last many weeks we've just seen a lot of answer to prayer. And uh, even this morning, I was um, at the morning tea with the teaching staff and the school staff. And, uh, and Jaden's teacher, Mrs. Conradi, said to me, she goes, oh, Jaden, um, something happened yesterday with, with one of his friends. And I said, oh, I thought, is he in trouble? And uh, she said, no, no, um, one of his friends uh, was missing his cat. And Jaden, when he heard that, came up to uh, his friend Zephaniah and said, why don't we pray about that cat? And, uh, you know, he prayed for the cat in, in, in as best way as he can. And then this morning, Mrs. Conradi said, Zephaniah turned up and he said the cat was found. And so, you know, sometimes we pray and we sort of just think that it's a, just a casual thing or we don't think it's worth praying about. But, you know, we can approach God with childlike faith. And, and um, you know, if you, if you do think, well, Jaden, maybe he has a special calling to prayer then you can come to him if there's something that you'd like him to pray for. Obviously, just don't come to me, come to him, but at the small price of $50 per head, all right? But First um, Kings chapter 18, and look at, uh, look at verse 41. And so if you know the, the story here, it's going to be about Elijah. And Elijah, probably, if you were thinking about uh, some of the most well-known prophets of all time, it would be Elijah. And Elijah appears over, over the course of these chapters, but also in the New Testament, also right through to even uh, a com- comparisons that both Jesus and, and John the Baptist had was a comparison to Elijah. And there was a great deal of, of, of uh, miracles that we can read about Elijah, this one in particular here, where for, for many years there was, there was no... Uh, there was no rain that had, had come about in the, the land of Israel. And right here in, on the mount, they see a great miracle. Uh, we won't read and take the time, but earlier he takes on the prophets of Baal and he challenges them to see which God is, is real. And he, he challenges the people, why halt ye between two opinions? And he challenges uh, the people of God to, to really follow the one true God. And so they, they build that altar. He, he puts water around it, and he, he tells them to drench that. 
And you know what happens? He calls down and he prays and he calls down fire from heaven and it consumes everything that was there. So that just happens. And then in verse 41, eat and drink for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So again, bearing in mind that it's been, been a, a, a time here where there's been no rain. And now he's, he's saying to the king, Ahab, who was a wicked king, he says, it's, there's going to be rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of, of Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand, and he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. So this, this, this formation started to come into the horizon. It looked like a man's hand, and, and suddenly it came, in verse 45, it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And so this, this prophet was having a time, wasn't he? He had just seen fire called down from heaven. He had just challenged those, those, uh, those prophets of Baal. He uh, had just slain them because of their, their, uh, their deception, because of their idolatrous um, actions in, in the, in the, in the uh, nation of Israel. And now he sees this, this thing happen, now rain coming. And the, all of these miracles were happening in Mount Carmel. And the Bible just simply says the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And notice what happens, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, we just read that, that, that Ahab got into his chariot and he rode off, and now here's Elijah with God's hand on him running past this guy, King Ahab, who was in a chariot. Now, we understand the dynamics of that. We understand that, 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 that really, humanly speaking, that's impossible but God's hand was on Elijah. And something happened there where, really, when you think about what, what had transpired just in the life of Elijah, it's pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? You think about the great victory that was. You think about how Elijah must have been feeling as he prayed down fire from heaven, and it just didn't just singe the meat, it consumed the altar. That The power of God was so evident. And then now he... After a period of no rain, here he is praying up on the top of the mount again. And then suddenly this, this rain comes that was so, uh, so powerful that they had, to, they had to escape it. They had to run away from it. And now what he's finding himself in, not only was he coming away from this mount with great victory and, and you imagine all of what he was feeling, Suddenly he was running past and God's hand was on him. And you know what, what that is? It's, it's momentum. There was momentum in Elijah's life. Something had, had happened on the mount where God had turned up. God had done some great things. And now he was returning to Jezreel with great momentum in his life. And, and literally, as he ran faster than a horse, faster than a chariot, and... and but also, as I think in, in type and in picture to us, he had great momentum spiritually. And you know, there's times of that in our lives. And I think I could safely say for, for us as a church, as we've seen come through a little bit of time here where 
we've had our missions conference and we've had several different, uh, different men just, just God orchestrated that would come, um, just not really in the schedule that would preach and give us something from the Word of God. And we've also had a great time with our young people and we're seeing young people get saved, we're seeing people get saved and we're seeing some of that momentum coming down as we're coming from our spiritual mountain. We've had all of these mountaintop experiences and here we are with great momentum as we're running, as God's hand is upon the things that we're able to do for the Lord. And we're seeing that and yet what we find in the very next chapter is that there are some things that would bust and would confront us after momentum. And I want to I talk a little bit about that in, in chapter 19. So pick, pick up the story in chapter 19 and verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And so evidently, whether he ran with Elijah or whether he met Elijah there in, in Beersheba and there in Jezreel, this, this valley uh, around the, those mountains, he had a servant that he left there. And why, why was he doing that? He felt threatened by the enemy. He felt threatened by Jezebel. And what happened with Elijah, look at verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. What a contrast. What a contrast all of a sudden as, as Elijah had momentum by the Lord, he was confronted by some things that caused him to now even find himself in great despair. And isn't that so often the case that, that, that when we go through times where we really sense God's working, that there's things that when we get back, we get back to our Jezreels and we get back to our Bathshebas, that there's some confrontation there from a spiritual point of view. And no doubt for, for some of us who made some great decisions and God was working in our hearts about certain things, no, no doubt when we came down from our place where we felt such a great momentum and such a spiritual uh, uh, victory in our lives, no doubt we felt already and we were confronted by some things. And, and that's the things I want to warn you about this evening. Is that when we see great momentum from the Lord, that whilst, whilst that's true and whilst that's real in our lives, there's also going to be corresponding opposition and corresponding circumstances that we need to watch out for. Because as, as quickly as that momentum can come, it's as quickly that can be taken away as well if we're not careful. Because can I remind you that, that when, when there's a spiritual victory for God, that piques the interest of the enemy. You know, the, the enemy leaves those alone who have no momentum for the Lord. They'll just leave them alone. They're not doing any harm for their, for, against their cause. They're not doing anything for God's cause. And so somehow when, when we're still in, in the sense of we're not, there's no momentum in our lives for God, we're not really actually creating any ripple effects in the spiritual realm. 
But when we're doing something for God and there's momentum and there's, there's movement and, and God's moving in our lives, that piques the interest of those both without and within. And, and we're going to see that, that initially there's some external things that Elijah was dealing with, but it became very quickly an internal battle. And that's how it works at times. And, and you know, I just remember just talking to a, a few of our leaders and a few of those that, that were coming away with, with great decisions from camp and warning them that they ought to war a good warfare because that's the reality of it. We're in spiritual warfare. And the things that happen in our lives when, when we're seeking things from God and we're surrendered and we're wanting uh, God to work and we're seeing God work is that uh, the attention of the enemy has been piqued and now the reality is the warfare is just going to get hotter. And, and, you know, I, I think about this, and unbeknownst really to Jezebel, who was Ahab's wife, who was a wicked queen, and, and Jezebel is used only ever as a bad example in the Bible, as someone who was a representation really of the enemies that we have in our Christian life, and suddenly Jezebel gets involved. You know, Jezebel didn't go up to the mount. Jezebel was just watching, waiting her turn, waiting for this time. And, and Ahab, who saw it all, came down and tells his wicked wife all of what had happened. And, and suddenly, Jezebel sends a messenger unto Elijah, Elijah saying, and here's the, here's the first thing that we need to be careful of when we have spiritual momentum, is just deadly words. It's just somehow there's going to be those that, that the enemy is going to use. Because Jezebel didn't speak to Elijah herself. She sent a messenger. And we don't know who this messenger is. It could be anyone. But it's been my experience that when there's a, been a spiritual victory and there's been decisions made that, that somehow someone says something and it just deadens the momentum that we have. Now remember, again, just... The, that time where I surrendered to the Lord and I had that time just like we did on Sunday evening where we, our young, all of us young people came up on the platform and we had this time where we were just sharing our heart, what God had done and I, it was my turn, I had come up and I talked about how God had called me to preach and, and I said the, the, those infamous words in my mind, by the grace of God I'm going to be the next youth pastor of this church. I just, I just blurted it out. And I remember coming down and, and it seemed like I was on the spiritual mount, and I was coming down just like we have here. We went down the stage a little bit, and I got really excited because I felt like there was great victory there, and there was something that, I had, that God had placed on my heart that I was able to declare before the church. And then suddenly, as I was walking out the door, I had all of these messengers who, unbeknownst to them, they were being used by the enemy. They, they said things like, oh, that's just emotionalism. They said things like, you, really, serve God? And these were people that ordinarily don't really say much. Ordinarily, I, I guess, is, is generally supportive. But suddenly, these deadly words. You know, the Bible tells us, let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths. And we be guided that, that we're not being used by the enemy to be a messenger to deaden what God has given life to. And we've got to be careful with our words. And, and on the corresponding thing, we also, as, as those that, that perhaps have, have stewardship over the momentum, we've got to be watchful and guarded 
that, that we're not just looking for compliments. Because just like we have to die to compliments, we also have to die to criticisms. You know, sometimes we will face critics. Sometimes, but we've got to see it, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And we understand that there's a wrestle there, and we've got to understand then that perhaps we need to be extra vigilant about listening in and allowing those things to enter into our hearts. And what had happened with Elijah was he had taken a little bit that he had this momentum, and suddenly this very real threat came via words. There was no spear. There was no actual weaponry there. It was Jezebel sending a messenger. And we better take great care that those fiery darts of the devil and some of those words that are coming, we need to just put on the, 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 the shield of faith and, 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 and buffet those away. And so he allows that, though, to enter into his heart. And when he saw that, that he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there, and notice what happened in verse 4. So he, he leaves all of that. He, he's, he's allowed that to enter into his heart. And it's, a, it's a, in, in his mind, a very real threat. And, and you understand, this was a, a man who had just recently there gone great victories, had slain those, those, those prophets of Baal. It wasn't like he wasn't able and he didn't have the, the ability to defend himself, but he had allowed that to come into his heart. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is not enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And notice what happened here. Next, um, as, we, as we think about, uh, think about the, uh, another thing that we need to watch out for is just is just that allowing that to enter into our heart and then having a discouraged disposition. You know, discouragement is a, is a real killer of momentum. You know, we, we can easily be discouraged. And if we're not guarded against it and not expecting it, it could, it could king hit us to a point where we're just, that momentum's gone. And what happened was he got to the point where he went away from it all, and he got to the point where he was even requesting to die. Again, what a contrast to the, to the uplifting spirit that he would have had as he ran past that horse. You know, there's some things that God allows us to see that's unbelievable. And yet, in, in just like that, if we allow it, if allow, we allow things to enter into our heart, then discouragement can come as well. And he was discouraged in disposition. And, and you know, the, the, uh, the Bible tells us that the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And the principle there is that, you know, we're, we're actually, we order, we ought to lay down our spirit and allow God's spirit to minister to it. And we see that later on, God sends an angel to, to awaken him. And, and we've got to be guarded against just discouragement. You know, discouragement is a, is a spiritual thing. Discouragement is a very real thing. And discouragement can bring us to a place where we just want to avoid life and avoid and forget even 
those very things that, that just recently God was doing. And for some reason, those things that, that entered into Elijah's heart was stolen away, and now he was in a discouraged disposition. And, and I know that all of us were prone to that at times. I know that we, we often would come and, and maybe God spoke to us on a, on a certain thing on a, on a Sunday and very quickly on a Monday we're feeling downtrodden. And suddenly the, the cares of this life and all of that enter in and suddenly discouragement comes. I want to tell you that, that the Lord is a God of all hope. That actually he can deal with our discouragements and he was discouraged in disposition. But you know, the reality was this. Look at verse 5. And as he lay and slept. You know, Elijah would have been pretty tired. You know, as much as we enjoy times where God's dealing, it's still wearying. I know we, we ought to rest in the Lord, but you know, it's still, there's, still, there's still work involved. You know, when you engage in, a, in, in something spiritual, there's a corresponding physical toll it takes. And we felt that. You know, um, a couple of people were asking how I was feeling on Sunday. And the, the words I used was, I was a good tired. But I could take away good. It's still tired. <laughs> right? There's still a weariness because there was a spiritual engagement in the week. And what happened with Elijah, without him just really understanding perhaps, or, or maybe just in the, in, the, in the emotion of it all, forgetting that he just needed to rest. And here's the next thing we need to watch out for that, that kills momentum, is just simply debilitating weariness. I was just weary. You know, I, was, uh, I was thinking about that and how I, how I scheduled certain things, and it just seemed like this, this past week we went from one thing to the next. And then I just thought, you know, I wish I had scheduled some time, but I can't blame anyone else. I'm in charge of the schedule, all right? And so sometimes there's a need to just rest after a specific time there where we're seeing even the work of God do great work, but it's still work indeed. And you imagine the physical toll it took on Elijah to call down that and to battle through that emotion and then to run down that mount, you know, as much as God's hand was on him, there was still a corresponding weariness to that. And he just had to lay down and sleep. And, and there's, there's debilitating weariness at times. Even the Lord Jesus in his dealings with his disciples, he would often tell them because of the, the, the work of the ministry, the, the heaviness of the schedule, he would tell them, right? He said, come apart for a little while. And there's times where we just, this most spiritual we can, thing we can do is take a nap and, and just rest and just re replenish the, the batteries, so to speak, and just take the time to recharge ourselves for the next thing and for the, the battle at hand. And, and what we see is that sometimes what it is is just debilitating weariness that, that just kills our momentum. But then what happened was, and really importantly, I wanted to emphasize this. In verse 3, again, he left his servant there. And then later in verse 9, so, so in the midst of that, the angel of the Lord comes. He, he comes a first time. He says, eat and drink. Then he laid him down again. So again, he was ministering to the weariness. And by the way, God can do that. He can minister to your weariness. 
And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. God had more for Elijah. And he arose and did eat, and amazingly, he went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto horror of the mount of God. So he, here he is, he's coming up to another mount. But, but God had ministered to him in his weariness and had energized him to the point where he was, he was good for those 40 days and 40 nights. But I want you to note that it, it, it then came to this. Look at verse 9. He came thither unto the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown away down the altars, and slain thy prophets with, us, with the sword. And notice what he says, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. You know, whose idea was it to leave the servant there? It was Elijah's. He had, he had isolated himself. And here's the last thing that kills momentum. And we know the rest, God appears to him, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but in a still small voice. God was still, even in, in this weariness and in this mindset, he was, still, he was still trying to draw Elijah back. But the last thing is this, you can become defeated in isolation. You know, sometimes when we get to discouragement and we get in our weariness, the worst thing we can do is isolate ourselves. And unfortunately, Elijah here, he chooses to leave his servant. It wasn't that he was alone. His whole mindset, his whole perspective had already been, uh, had already been defeated. And he finds himself declaring things that really weren't true. He says, I'm alone in this. Hey, just earlier, we just read about all of those that actually declared, the Lord, he is God. When he challenged the nation about, about God and God showed up, they were convinced. And so there was many more. And, and God would remind him later, there's actually many more that didn't bow their knees to Baal. But, but at that moment, he was alone. And you know, I want to I wanna encourage you, one, you're not alone. And I want to encourage you that in those times where you're feeling the momentum starting to drain away, that's not the time to isolate. That's the time to come together. And, and it's a good thing to come to church. It's a good thing to be around God's people. It's a good thing to remind yourself that there's others who perhaps you need the encouragement and you can come together, again, under the banner of his name and be recharged and restored through the fellowship. Don't, don't, don't underestimate just the gathering. Don't underestimate that at times the, the, the answer actually isn't isolation. It's to, to get back and to be with others who, for the Lord's sake, want to press on and want to see more that God will do. And, and there's, a, there's a defeat in isolation. And I want to encourage you, maybe you've been feeling lonely. You know, that's at times a symptom of that momentum drain. And maybe you've allowed some things to enter into your heart. Words. Maybe you've read some things wrongly. And now you're, you're, you're feeling the weariness of it. Your, your, your whole mindset is destabilized. And now you're feeling like you're defeated in your isolation. But you don't have to be alone. 
you can come gather. You can come and reach out. There are those who still just recently, you saw it too, had the victory just like you. And you can come together and just seek the Lord again. And you know that all the time God's seeking you. And God's trying to minister to you in your weariness. God's trying to minister to you in those times where you're not, you're sensing the battle, as we all do from time to time. And so I want to encourage you, keep your guard up. Maybe there's things that are already just come across your way and you need to just recognize it for what it is. And you know, at the end of the day, God is seeking you and he's coming with that still small voice and he just, we can listen and we can be restored. All right, Jewel, thanks.